1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy.
0: That's Guy. the poster said.
2: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into?
1: Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward. That's Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. This is the practice report brought to you by Byers Auto. Guys, okay, just about done now. One day left. Uh, I've got those workouts in the bank. The wide receivers talked uh, with the media on Thursday morning. Spring game is Saturday at noon. We'll have plenty of coverage of that and some bold predictions uh, up on the site on Friday morning. But let's dive into what we've learned about one of the deepest, most talented groups in the entire country, not just on the Ohio State roster. That zone six group, uh, Brian Hartline, has recruited at a high level. He's developed at a high level. He got a bonus with Chris Olave returning. Uh, what's the most important takeaway from those wide receivers that you had uh, on Thursday, Burm? Most
2: important one to me is that people can, should stop assuming things when they don't entirely know things, because as as we've said in multiple practice reports and other areas, we don't get to see a lot of things that are going on inside the Ohio state program right now. And in the, the brief snippets of time, we get to watch things assumptions get made that are sometimes, um, inaccurate and don't necessarily need to be like so, say which it.
1: one it is because Say which Julian, one.
2: because this idea earlier this week people are saying that Julian Fleming is a third team receiver at Ohio State and you know it's just not true he's been hurt he, he's been he had a major off-season surgery that hasn't been discussed and um, it doesn't need to be discussed it's his personal business it's his you know he's working back through it he's obviously practicing a little bit but I think it was important and I uh, clearly Brian Hartland thought it was important because he didn't mince words really when he talked about it and People need to stop spreading narratives that that they don't really know about. And, um, you know, on the field, without question, this is the most talented position group in the entire country in one one
1: place. I I think that it is important to put this in context. When we talk about going to some open practices, having six viewing periods, there have been three days of that, uh, where the media has been invited in. You know, when guys are limited, sometimes they're able to get some reps when there's non-contact individual periods. So, for instance, on Monday – Julian Fleming got his, but they were with the third-team offense because he's not able to participate fully as he recovers from that shoulder injury and and shoulder surgery. It goes back to his high school career. It's been a a long-term deal, finally an opportunity to get it cleaned up. So, you know, if you get an opportunity to participate, Ohio State gives you that. Those aren't the ones where you make an assessment about who would be where on the depth chart because it wasn't a live period. So it does inform some things. Like looking at Josh Fryer, who we've talked about, you know, the offensive line is not fully healthy, um, but that's still informative about where he might be in that competition, but it is not locked in stone. That is certainly – Julian Fleming is not going to be a third-string wide receiver for Ohio State when he's healthy. And to make any assessments based on that on Monday, when in the previous workouts we had known and verified and seen that he wasn't able to go through drills fully – because of the shoulder, I, I just you – know, you and I were both asked about that on Monday. Like, is he hurt? Yes, he's hurt and recovering. He is not, like, getting jumped on the depth chart because of, uh, you know, the fact that he had to get his shoulder cleaned up. That's right. And it's not,
2: it's not a knock on Marvin Harrison or Emeka Booker or any of the other guys that are running in front of him. I mean, these are obviously very good young players, and it's certainly going to push Julian Fleming when he gets back. But don't assume that decisions are being made right now – um, for what happens in in the fall. And that I guess is the point.
0: Yeah. And when you look at Julian Fleming, if if this didn't come up and you still ask Brian Hartland about it, I think the main takeaway would be they're really pleased with his development despite the injury. I think this has been a huge spring for him, despite the limited reps, despite the the surgery and the rehab. He he seems to be really coming into his own. And I think a lot of a lot of people took some time to to you know, uh, you know, commend him for that. He, he's done a really nice job. I think Jackson Swift and Jigba is another guy who they're really excited to get on the field again. And when you look at this room, Julian Fleming is, is one of the talented guys in this room. And like Berm said, it's one of the talent, most talented units in the country. So when you put all those factors together, none of what was being said about Julian Fleming made a lick of sense. And so it's just kind of strange that we even have to address this. But here we are.
2: I want to, put a, a, I want to wrap up this little Julian Fleming portion of the program by saying this. It, when we're when we people who cover recruiting talk about a prospect's ranking, understand what the word prospect means, right? It, it is it is a it is a look into the future. It just and we talked about this last year before and, and when Julian Fleming signed his letter of intent last day, he needed to learn how to play football as to be a good wide receiver. He was a extremely uh, talented athlete in his offense at, in high school at Southern Columbia High School in uh, in Catawissa, PA. He was not anywhere near the wide receiver prospect that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was coming out of high school. He, he did not know how to play the position, but the tools are all there. And, and it, and as Ryan Day talked about Monday, everyone has a different road. And I, I just think that sometimes the media, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll include ourselves in that. There is a um, a tendency to um, make really broad brushed assumptions based on very little evidence. And, um, anyway, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we learned some important things today. Right?
1: Well, yes, I think we definitely do count as being in the media berm. Um, but when you talk about that development, I mean, it's not just Julian Fleming. His case is certainly unique because of everything you just described, uh, what he could have gained from a full spring a year ago. Uh, we've talked about this with every position group and it applies to every player. Uh, it also applies to Jackson Smith and Jake, Bo. he, you know, was able to make a really sensational catch early on um, that highlight will probably be played throughout the rest of his career, but he missed some things, you know, get, get a little banged up, maybe get sick at, at some point. Um, not as many practices that impacted him. Uh, so he talked about that on Thursday morning as well, how much getting through 15 practices means to him as he goes along. Jameson Williams needed them. Um, he was able to make some big time plays late in the year, uh, but all of these guys, that's maybe the scariest part of what Brian Hartline has when he gets, you know, we've seen the development, you know, the, the routes, uh, you know, the understanding of football, the the competitive level that he brings to that room. If you give that to uh, Garrett Wilson for one more year, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, you know, the guys who already, Marvin Harris and Emeka Egbuka who already have their black stripes off, you know, we've seen Jaden Bauer just in those uh, couple snippets of practice. we got to watch make plays and get his hands on the football. A normal year for every position is valuable, but this collection of talent and the coaching staff that's in place, that's really why Chris Olave is back because he has seen what that can do for him, and he also missed out on that. He was already pretty darn good in the first place, but, you know, they it's really scary what Ohio State can do with that position right now. I'm glad you asked him because
2: I was waiting to ask Chris when he, he said today that he came back because he wanted to – be a ready NFL ready guy day one. And like you were going to be a first round pick. Um, You were the best, one of the two or three best receivers in college football. You're a team leader. You're one of the best special teams players in the country. What else do you have to do? (laughs) And then, and then at the very end of our media availability with receivers today, I think the truth finally came out. Chris Olave does not like to leave. When things end on a sour note, I mean that kid. He could have gone pro uh, two years ago, and and didn't. Um, after the Clemson loss, he could have gone pro after the Alabama loss. And he was, I'm not doing it. I he that you know that taste in his mouth is something he wants to wipe out. And um, you know, I think it's fascinating insight into these young guys that Brian Hartline has in his room because they all know that they can get better. And I, I asked Garrett Wilson about it, but Garrett Wilson to me is. Like the prime example of a kid who doesn't really have any idea how good he can be at football because he's always kind of only played one day a week. He shows up on Saturday and dominates and it's easy. But like once he's able to start finding the practice habits and doing all the consistent things um, that make him a a great player down the road. I mean, as you said, these, these guys are just scratching the surface.
0: I think one of the biggest things to these wide receivers, and I'll go back to what Austin was, the point Austin was making is, it all goes back to trust, I think, within the wide receiver room because, you know, you got to earn the trust of Brian Hartline. you got to earn the trust of Brian Day. Then you got to earn the trust of the quarterback. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave obviously had that, and that's why they were able to, you know, they're, they're ultra talented, but that's also why they were able to have such a great impact last year. You saw Jameis Williams get more targets as the season went on. You saw Julian Fleming late in the season get a couple targets because I think Justin Fields learned to trust him. I think as these guys go through a full spring together and these sophomores even go through their first full spring – in the program, you'll see that level of trust with all these wide receivers grow. And that's when, you know, this room can become even more dangerous when, when all these guys are on the same page, when they've all had a full spring together, when they've all been able to mesh together for so long, because you just didn't have that last spring. When you put all these guys in the same room and you get them that level of trust with the quarterbacks and the coaching staff, that's when the room is really going to take off. And I think that's even scarier for me to say, because I don't know how the room could take off even more than it already was. And here we are getting ready to see it uh, Saturday and then into the fall
2: you're spot on spot on look at the
0: NCAA with
2: the the new rule that was passed on Wednesday with the one time transfer like those conversations of trust and and understanding like your role and Brian Hartline's um, willingness and ability to manage egos playing time expectations are going to be very important because when you're recruiting at a level like Brian Hartline is it is going to be very easy for other schools around the country to, to say oh well here's Julian Fleming he's just sitting there not playing football well he should come play for us and 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 there's going to be a lot of that outside noise that happens. And so, what Spencer, what you're saying is is spot on. Like that trust has to be 100 percent for these kids to know that the the path of theirs, whatever path it is, uh, is better with Brian Harlan. I
1: don't. I'm trying to. I don't think Chris Olave could have left after that fiesta Bowl berm. I think he's. He gone. could have just
2: walked away. He could have just walked away.
1: I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm no, saying no, no, no. I was, was going to say the point is we were having this conversation last off season about how he went three days, four days without being able to eat solid food and that route and how it motivated him to go through it. You know, I think that's same. That factor is what you're talking about. How it influences him is that he, he well, doesn't opt out
2: last year is what I'm saying.
1: Oh, okay. I got you. I didn't know. I didn't know which, which yeah. route you were taking there, but we also know that there's no chance that Chris Olave I don't he, he told us that last year, he wasn't even considering opting out. He was so competitive. Uh, he talked about one of the reasons he came back was because he wanted to compete up against Garrett Wilson and Jamison uh, Williams in the offseason program. I mean, this is a guy that is as driven as you'll find. Um, you know, I, we talked to Terry McCorn about him a couple of weeks ago. I think there's another element that he loves the fact that seniors get to have a, a huge influence um, over the room. And he, he might put on that block. O this fall. We'll see. He's one of the best embodiments of what Ohio state does right now. Uh, Heading into that spring game, they're going to get the football a lot. Uh, Who's going to have the best receiving performance out of these guys on Saturday? I'll let Berm go first. Why?
0: uh, Uh,
2: Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to because he's going to be on the field the most of the guys we talked to today. Um, And I thought, you know, if we're talking real football and insight that was gleaned from today, it's that Garrett Wilson is moving back outside. In the Ohio State offense to line up opposite Chris Olave, which means that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be used a lot more in that uh, slot receiver situation. And with Ohio State's tight end uncertainty, because you don't know exactly how much 12 personnel they're going to run this year with uh, losing Luke Farrell, um, it's a real opportunity for Jackson Smith and Jigba to have a ton
1: of impact in the Ohio State offense. Here's what's most interesting about that to me, if we're going to talk about Monday's open viewing period, is that Garrett Wilson was still lined up in the slot at least during one specific drill at one time right next to Chris Olave and so Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson kind of alluded to this he has the ability to line up anywhere and i don't think ohio state is going to marry itself to Garrett Wilson you only have to play x you only have to play opposite of Chris Olave whatever matchup they can find for Garrett Wilson they will
2: but that's because they have so many receivers that can play all over the place I and mean, they they're going to be rotating six or seven guys into all three of those spots. So I I think that we're going to hear, okay, this guy's an X, this guy's a Y, this guy's a Z, but they're all ABC through XYZ.
0: Yeah, I I just keep thinking back to to chris olave and how ohio state used him in the slot when they would send him in motion and then he would be isolated on the edge and and beat michigan for a touchdown in his sophomore year and that's what i feel like garrett wilson's going to be you can line up in the slot but it doesn't really matter because he's going to be all over the field and he's going to catch a lot of passes as for the spring game i think it's going to be a mecca buka i just think that they're going to get those those young guys a lot of reps those guys need it um and i think you know Uh, He's just going to have a good performance. I think he's going to catch quite a few balls. Maybe maybe giving the end zone a couple times. Uh, Just those young guys. I think they're going to want to showcase. And Marvin Harrison Junior is getting uh, more praise than any player in the entire program right now. Uh, Yeah, it's getting hard to not jump on that
2: that hype train at this point. (laughs) I mean, you you really you really want to like be cautious about going overboard with with expectations and hyperbole. But uh, have you ever heard Austin in the ten years you've been covering Ohio State? Have you ever heard a freshman? wide receiver slash offensive player get the type of words that he's getting from other players?
1: Uh, no. And the real kicker to it is that a lot of it is unprompted. You know, sometimes you, when Torrance Gibson was getting spring hype, it yeah. was because people wanted wanted it to be the case. And they would ask specifically about it. You know, Ryan Day did this, I think, three weeks ago. He doesn't like to single players out. And he was talking about Marvin Harrison, man. He showed up as a grown man ready to go. Uh, you asked Chris Olave, who's playing well in spring, and he said Marvin Harrison is real. Um, this this is about uh, if, as high a praise as I've heard from any player on either side of the ball. And, I mean, think about all the people we're including in that mix. Like, you didn't go through spring or, or August training camps with people talking about Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa or Chase Young this way when they were five stars coming in. I mean, and Marvin Harrison – you know, he was a little bit – he wound up being a little bit overshadowed when you when you were covering the recruitments of this berm. Like, once Emeka Igbuka got in the class, it was like, all right, well, he's going to be the leader of that. Maybe Marvin Harrison took a little bit of that personal.
2: I mean, I, again, I, I had this conversation with, with uh, General Carpenter on the morning juice on Wednesday, but, like, it's kind of ridiculous that we – and I say we, the media – Didn't expect the guy who's the son of an NFL (laughs) Hall of Famer, who's like maybe the best route runner in NFL history, but is four inches taller than him and 40 pounds heavier than him, that we didn't expect him to be a really good football player. I mean, it sort of of, uh, boggles the mind that it's surprising people because at six foot four, 220 pounds and the son of Marvin freaking Harrison, you'd expect him to know how to play football.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have an argument against that. I don't know why you would bet against the son of a Hall of Famer. The other guy that, that Chris Olave brought up, and I know he was talking about all three of them, but we just haven't really heard a lot of, from from Jaden Ballard during this this spring. And and you just wonder, maybe he's the guy that, that comes out in the spring game and just you know shows something that we haven't really been talking about. Because, you know, hey. Mecca Abuka's gotten a lot of praise. Marvin Harrison's gotten a lot of praise. The sophomores are all getting a lot of attention. And then there's Jaden Ballard just kind of hiding back there. You wonder, you know, what the chip on his shoulder is looking like right now.
2: Jaden is probably the most athletic of the three so in a spring game sort of environment he may get an opportunity to really flash but he's the one that maybe was they're counting on to be a little bit they need to be more consistent but if you think back to 2014 when when uh, Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell and Curtis Samuel all came in together they all roomed together Emeka Marvin and Jaden all are roommates with Kyle McCord like they're all very similar personalities they just go about their business and think that kind of just rubs off and you start to pick up, Hey, these guys are doing this and this, and now I need to do that. And for Jaden, who at times in high school, there was a a little bit of a aura around him that he maybe wasn't consistent or that he didn't always handle himself maturely being around those two dudes, maybe helping him
1: uh, learn what it takes to be that guy a lot faster. Well, if we're talking about people that are going to maybe steal the show on Saturday, every uh, Berm, I don't know what you saw on that one Friday that you were there without me, but the last two practices that I went to, Marvin Harrison had at least three touchdowns in the red zone drills. I'm going to guess that he probably caught some balls when you were there. Uh, maybe that Maybe that window was a little bit shorter. I won't put you on the spot there, but he has had his name called over that loudspeaker on the microphone uh, more than anybody short of Garrett Wilson. Just from the time that I've been in there, I would bet on Saturday that you're going to see a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr., Uh, We'll be watching. Can't wait to be back there in the horseshoe. Yeah, bro. We
2: can't be done yet. I'm sorry, because uh, I know we were talking to wide receivers today, but we also got our first introduction to Parker Fleming today. And I'm going to ask you, Austin, like, remember when we talked to Jeff Halfway the first time or when we talked to Matt Barnes the first time? You're like, wow, that dude is actually smart as a whip. Um, Parker Fleming is impressive.
1: Yeah, he, you know, I don't want to keep beating this into the ground, but I remember the first time that Ryan Day spoke in the way that he described, you know, the game of football is complex. And even those of us who who cover it and have covered it for a long time, will never understand it the same way that these guys do, but it helps to have people who are able to communicate it. And they have to be able to do that for players, uh, people who are learning the game um, and then to convey it in a setting where we might feel like we understand it. It's a rare trait. uh, And I think that it's, I don't want to say that it's the same thing as sitting in their position room, but if you can help anybody understand it, that goes a long way as an instructor, a teacher, a coach, and he's got the same ability to communicate just off of one press conference, which is not, you know, not a big deal. Although he's been at Ohio state dating back to 2012 in some form or fashion off and on, not like he's, you know, hasn't earned his stripes along the way, but you know, listening to a Ryan day, Jeff Halfley, Matt Barnes, and now Parker Fleming. These guys are incredibly smart, but it's not just about having the football knowledge. It's the ability to share it with others. And um, whether you're watching that press conference uh, on on Letterman Row on YouTube or taking part of it, uh, I, I'm blown away by that. And I think that's why Ryan date you know, he has talked about this dating back to January. Why did he make this move? Well, these guys are really smart. He loves Matt Barnes and he loves Parker Fleming, and they're on this same – wavelength of the way that they want to teach and and coach the game so you notice that right away you know that's a part of the job is talking talking to us but a small one but that's basically I've seen this enough when I've been allowed to go into some of these position rooms that same ability to communicate if you can do it that well publicly imagine what you can do privately when you build those relationships and that door gets closed Um, I think that's a big deal and you you picked up on that for
2: yeah. I mean, I, you have to teach football's about teaching and, and especially for special teams, you're talking about getting kids who have been superstars in high school and probably never had to play special teams and never had to do the, the dirty work on the football field. And to be able to show them why that's important and to be able to, to really dive in with them into the details and the muck of football, um, you have to be able to promote that in, in a way that it excites people rather than makes them think it's a punishment. I mean, I remember when I played youth football, I mean, it was like, oh, crap, I have to be on special teams. You know, it was like, it was, it was the right field of football. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, uh, (laughs) it wasn't like you wanted that, but Ohio state has found a way to turn special teams into sort of, you know, the cool thing to do in their football program. And it's because people like Parker Fleming, who learned it from Urban Meyer, that special teams is really damned important.
0: Yeah, as somebody who used to have to get geared up to play right field, uh, I can attest to what Burm's saying with the special teams thing. Uh, but I think Parker Fleming just kind of puts it in this in this way that he did kind of remind me of, like, the first time you talk to Jeff Hafley, you just walk out of there and you're like, okay, wow, Ohio State's got something here. And and this guy has a chance to, you know, be a star when when he really gets going. I kind of got the same thing from Parker Fleming. He just seems like a guy that, you know, makes everything easy to understand, but also, you know, is just easy to talk to, easy to get along with. You know, he can relate to a lot of the players. He's not an older guy. Um, You just walk away pretty impressed. And then, you know, a lot of the fan base was a little agitated when, when Ryan Day's not going out and making these splash hires all of a sudden you talk to Parker Fleming and you're like, maybe this, this day guy knows what he's doing when it comes to coaching hires.
2: We saw a number of Ohio State players on Twitter after Parker was promoted that were like, oh, this dude is one of the best coaches we've ever had. Uh, I have football nerds who are friends who were watching the press conference today, and I received three separate text messages from people who'd never seen Parker Fleming or heard him talk, say, wow, this dude is really sharp. Uh, it, it's it just automatically you can see it, and I think that hopefully people out there who had those question marks heading into this offseason um, felt a little bit uh, sated today.
1: He also wasn't uh, shy about telling Berm how wrong he was about the death of special teams.
2: Right. Exactly. And I like that. I like to be <laughs> put in my place.
1: Uh, that that he, knew, he,
2: knew what I, he knew what I was saying. Though.
1: Yeah, you know I, what I'm well, saying also. He, if you would have just said that the kickoff is dying, he, probably, he was probably on board with that.
2: Yeah, but I, I wanted to know how he's enhancing the room. You know, despite well, like, the fact that... We're le- we're le- we're losing the focus. We're leaving the track, and that is when it's time to wrap up the practice report by Byers Auto.
1: Well, I was about to do that before, but I just needed your approval to do it now. But I had to talk about
2: Parker Fleming. We had to talk about it.
1: Well, we could have done 15 minutes on Parker Fleming. We should have just done a whole other special teams episode. Instead, we'll lump them together because this is the practice report. It's brought to you by Byers Auto. It doesn't come with a script, and we never know where it's going to start or where it's going to end. That's Berm and Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. Stay with us for full coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes all year at LettermanRoe.com.